whoever said perception becomes reality probably had a insight into future think of pakistan what images conjure up in your mind the moment you hear the word pakistan you think of sorrow you think of terrorism you think of strife think of whole lot of things those who know pakistan a little better might have an additional insight into their music into their culture and arts a little bit more but beyond that the normal or the general perception of the country is that it is perpetually been in strife in some shape size or form ever since its independence but the question to ask is is that the real pakistan is that the reality of pakistan is it what the media tells us about pakistan or is there something more to the story and if you had asked people back in the 90s especially folks in india that what do you think of united states they would probably and probably think of us as manhattan because the image of the skyscrapers of manhattan was the only image that is promptly marketed by most media houses when anything to do with united states was being referred to now as you and i both know that there is much more to us than just manhattan likewise think of india you know every time i see uh, international broadcast or international coverage for india from a international perspective that is they show slums they would probably take the camera right down to the dingy gullies of chandni chowk or somewhere into the chawls of mumbai or the poverty side of the country is highlighted big time you'd see cows crossing the road you would have this stereotypical image built of india whereas you and i both know that that is not the only image of india if only the camera had panned 360 degrees they would have found skyscrapers and the good side of the country as well now if that logic and analogy holds true for india or for united states for that matter why should it not hold true for pakistan Well hello and welcome to the Gyanban experience a simple talk in the middle of a complex existence be it news views politics or country movies web series or a documentary people society or culture shock expression of freedom or a mental block we just do simple straight talk if you are the types to sit up and think then turn up the volume and don't blink stir up your coffee monk or bordo you are listening to the right show and though we can't unscramble your scrambled egg it's no round hole in a square peg don't just sit there on the fence come on jump into the gyanban experience many months ago i was part of a training program and had the honor and privilege of hosting multiple other southeast asian nations under one roof and take them through multiple training schedules one of them being technology training the other being personal development and communication skills training and so on and so forth soft skills part of it there was a technical skills and soft skills part of it right within the soft skills part of it there were group discussions debates and 60 minutes of fame as it were where people could stand up and air their point of views in the group discussion phase the competition got a little bit more tough people were competing hard for the end trophy the most valuable team as it were and here there were 
representatives of their countries. And so there was Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, Singapore, India, and even Pakistan. So as we moved forward in the training schedule, we came to a point where there was a group discussion and debate. The debate was on a given topic and the teams were divided into four parts and they had to make their points across. There were points on who spoke first, who had better content and who got their point across and so on and so forth. Midway through the debate, a couple of team members walked up to me and said, Chief, we need you to intervene. I said, why? What happened? He said, look, you've got to stop the Pakistanis. I said, why should I do that? They said, well, we are trying to make a point, but they wouldn't let us speak. And I said, what part of the round are we talking about? So it's a group discussion. I said, well, there lies your answer. It's a group discussion. Why? What stops you from making your point? He says, no, but we are not able to speak. I shot back at them and said, listen, this is a debate where it is required that you be aggressive, but with respect. If you think that they're being aggressive without being respectful, then do please let me know. So are they being disrespectful? Then these guys said, no, 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 they're not being disrespectful, but we aren't getting a chance to speak. And I said, look, this is where you've got to stand up and speak for yourself. And so the situation went on where eventually the round was won by Team Pakistan. The fun fact was much later in the training schedule when I was discussing, we got talking with the Pakistani contingent over a dinner, over a couple of biryanis. We opened up and started talking. I said, look, uh, how was your experience, the session and training? And then they said, look, we heard that people were complaining against us. Is that true? I said, look, they were not complaining, but they were concerned that you were not allowing them to speak. And so they said, you know, we are always running against perceptions. We look at looked at this as a competition, as with pride, honor and respect. And here we were there to compete and not just participate. And, and they asked me, so is, is that wrong of us to think that way and I said no you're absolutely right and and therefore I asked them to go and understand the rules of the game and they would have to step up their game to come up to your standards and levels to that they were very happy and it is that point when one of the guys told me that you know the situation is pretty unique and I said why is that and like what are the odds that the children of Pakistani armed forces working in a United States multinational company reporting to an Indian boss and then the Indian boss goes on to defend them against the other nations. How nice is that? And I said, you know what, capitalism uh, unites the world in some sense, you know, and commerce unites the world and we all work for the same organization and in that sense, you were playing by the rules and it was my job to defend you and there was nothing more to it than that. And so I reflected back on this conversation on my drive back to the hotel and I thought that is a very unique situation and it didn't occur to me that they were Pakistanis. I was just focused on that they being given a fair chance and just because they were making their point across the table doesn't mean that they were wrong. 
and that the it says that the other people were not wrong either and they needed that much more encouragement to step up their game so it was a big learning curve for me that often times we get caught up in preconceived notions and don't follow what is applicable to us is can also be applicable to other people and so that has been the case with pakistan for the longest period of time That said, is everything all right with Pakistan? Well, your guess is as good as mine. So let's try and sum this up in a few points, okay? Number 1, current state of the union. Number 2, society, culture and politics. Number 3, the future of Pakistan. Number 4, the Kashmir situation. Number 5, the Chinese impact. So let's dive in quickly and figure out the implications for India in all of these five situations. Quick snapshot: Pakistan of 2010 and Pakistan of 2020. What's changed? Well, number one, they're using social media like never before. Their premier is on YouTube channels, giving interviews more often than you can imagine. That's one noticeable change. Number two, you see a cut, copy, paste, control C, control V kind of a strategy. What do I mean by that? I mean that Pakistan is now accusing India of the same or similar. issues that india accuses pakistan of so in so far india always maintained consistently that that pakistan always pushed cross border terrorism and now pakistan is accusing india of cross border terrorism in fact they have published a dossier very recently which goes on to state that how india was involved in some of the most heinous crimes in pakistan now that comes as a total shock and surprise to many many globally which the pakistani counterparts believe that india has peddled the soft power so much that people are blinded by the realities that were and they go on to give their found evidence and so the narrative is so similar you know it could very much be used interoperably what i mean by that is the almost the verbiage that is used against pakistan is the identical verbiage that they are using against india so what they have done you know the biggest change that i see between 2010 and 2020 is that pakistan was beginning to lose steam on the global map as it were and the change that we see in 2020 is that they have brought back pakistan as a discussion point not just in india but in globally as well what what do i mean by that you know in 2010 we reached the situation where india had considerably moved ahead economically and were looking ahead to a brighter and more prosperous future and there was pakistan doing something along the border and something was happening and people were like yeah they were just going on and i'm just simplifying it don't misunderstand when i say i don't intend to take it lightly or sound dismissive of it that's not the intent here but i'm just saying the proportion of attention was like 90% was focusing on how india progressed and india developed and how india was you know emerging as the next superpower or what have you while pakistan was lagging behind on multiple economic factors and so the discussions even in the typical indian living rooms or drawing rooms was not much i mean as much as you would like to believe and if fellow pakistani people happen to hear this you'd be surprised that it's not that the typical indian family would discuss about pakistan much in 2010 or you know or thereabouts it wasn't a part of a national conscience yes in the north of india say delhi and surrounding regions perhaps have a greater vocabulary around pakistan 
but if you go further down south or east and south there isn't much discussion except for the odd skirmish that would happen the pulwama attack pathan court attack and some of these blatant unfortunate and tragic incidents what's happened is it's brought pakistan into mainstream discussions in india there are lot of discussions that are happening and they have been su- successful in in a negative way as it were to force themselves onto the table for a discussion now that was still going on and still you know life continued ebbed and flowed then article 370 happened on august 5th 2019 everything changed this was like a trigger point where the understanding is that the pakistani establishment thought wow now what do we do now we've got to really up the ante or else this battle is as much as lost i don't know what battle they were fighting they were certainly fighting a proxy battle or whatever but now you're in a state where there was no hiding there was like now we have to go direct attack on india and they knew that they couldn't have a physical attack by way of say a nuclear attack or a warfare or any of those things because now the world media focus was so high so they switched the narrative to leading to social media and reaching out to a different demography and leveraging the power of social media not just to peddle their narrative but their stories it's like well why do you think my story is less accurate than your story being the underlying subtext there and so now the world is dehyphenated the india pakistan discussion they almost utter it in the same breath which is unfortunate for from an india standpoint i think diplomatically if i were to view it then india perhaps missed a trick by not being as socially aggressive as pakistan and in fact right now the narrative has gone so far that if you take a look back that it's not going to change anytime soon here is the premier of pakistan mr imran khan going on to united nations and accusing prime minister modi of being hitler like and equating him to one of the biggest villains that is known to humankind that to me is really unfortunate and i'm dare i say not wise from a pakistani diplomacy standpoint because now they've put it at a roadblock situation there is no going back it's not going to be that mr imran khan is one fine day going to say oops i am sorry i had an oops moment and uh, mr modi is going to say give a pat on the back ah oh, it's all right don't worry and then walk hand in hand that ain't happening so the best bet that this situation of a dead end as it were has any a chance of reversing can only happen when either of the governments move out of power either the modi led government moves out of power and congress uh, resurges back and the odds of that happening you and i know are like finding water on mars and uh, the more likelihood scenario is that mr imran khan's government might see a change in the near future that could be the only resetting but even if there is a reset button it will be so difficult to undo the damage their diplomatic and social narrative has done over the last 10 years what i don't understand is what do they gain out of it this is like chipping in the wall you know they they are there's a huge wall in front of them they realize they're being isolated or sparsely supported 
and that too for the kashmir issue but certainly not for the terrorism issues that are prevalent and so they are trying to peddle a counter narrative i honestly as a regular citizen not completely informed human being cannot go on to say how much of the world is believing what they say but if you were to see global media i'd imagine that they still don't believe what pakistan is saying to be 100% accurate it's like yep they have a point somewhere but that's something that most countries haven't you know they would first fix their own house uh, as before they go on and fix somebody else's problem and and the same logic holds true for pakistan as well you know before you go on and point a finger at somebody else there are three fingers pointing at you and why would you not first get your basics correct get take care of the people ensure there is progress and everything then think of uh, any other adventure that you might have and so i sometimes extrapolate and think what happens you know they go on what's the future of pakistan you know what is the what happens after these exchanges right one fires this constant social media narrative across and then is the anticipation that if you constantly generate this propaganda across the world that the world opinion will change could that happen well i don't know i mean it seems very unlikely because it looks like nobody's really picking it up and if that is the case then what's their next step what do they do and that's where it really worries me about pakistan if they get frustrated beyond a point and they don't see results of their social media being or their truth being bought by anybody else or rather uh, anybody of consequence even their closest allies china haven't really you know rung the bell if you will they've obviously always uh, supported them in, at the united nations or at the security council or you know saving masood azhar and all those things but at a general other narrative level they haven't really you know gone up and said look world listen to them knowing that given the fact that china is now the second most powerful economy in the world they have not really stood up and waved the you know support flag for pakistan saying that you know what they're saying is true why because they have a ton of problems of their own across all the borders across their ethnicities and so many other problems to deal with so is pakistan really committing a diplomatic harakiri here by leveraging social media which would come back to really hound them because all of the statements is going to a, not just the regular political fraternity but it's going to a demography which is far more informed the youth of the country and the countries which is far more aware than what they were before and when i say aware that, that which means they are aware of both sides of the story not just pakistan's version of truth but other countries version of truth just the way i am commenting on this earlier before social media we would never have a view on what pakistan is saying to its people other than the basic newspaper or whatever broadcast that would get but now with youtube and all we get to see what the general discussion is happening in pakistan and of course there are channels which discuss pro uh, government channels which completely justify the narrative but there are also many counter opinions different opinions which question the legitimacy of such action 
if you were to see some of the people to people connect there is a plethora of channels called the pakistani reaction and search youtube if you don't believe me there are hundreds of channel pakistani reaction channel all by the same name <laughs> that's the other irony all go by the same name pakistani reacts or pakistani reaction they are reacting to indian entertainment content largely entertainment content by way of movies songs trailers what have you scenes and everything but then that's not just enough they go on to react on even regular internal news like if there is some dam which is built or a tourism destination which is being promoted anything and everything now one would likely to believe that some of them might be doing it for getting more likes and footprints and you know clicks on their channels but then there are some genuine ones which are trying to bridge the uh, gap of misunderstanding between the two countries because if they are reacting to indian content is just not indians who are watching this but so are lot of pakistanis not just in pakistan but around the world and the range of people who are reacting to this to indian content is also very interesting there are very young people early 20s and then there are the mid uh, 30s and then there are of course some uh, seniors as well and it's so interesting and nice and to their credit some of the more positive and neutral ones are those who balance the narrative saying that look we need to work for humanity peace for the region and so that all of us benefit and not go after mad rhetoricals and an eye for an eye leaves the world blind and if you both attack then you both die and those kind of things and they they make a lot of common sense and it's so heartwarming to see an element of common sense in the regular people of Pakistan something which is not as highlighted in the image of Pakistan globally if you will and thanks to youtube you get to see the regular reactions of people who just want to have a regular life they are happy to see the stuff that is happening in india there i'm guessing happy with the stuff that is happening in and around their neighborhood but largely they also worry about how else will this problem be solved so that they can someday come and visit india experience the region and the country which was once in some sense their own they were part of the same origin if you will so then it's it's a big dichotomy isn't it on one hand their premier of pakistan is almost labeling not almost has actually labeled his indian counterpart as akin to hitler and and all the brutality that ensued as happening in india that's what he is alleging on global forums and on the other hand people of his country have have a huge fan following for indian content and they are kind of almost giving the message i don't know what he's saying you know those politicians they always and in fact to be fair this is a common narrative across when you talk about people to people connect you know they say oh those politicians you know they are the ones causing all the conflict we are people to people there is always admiration and respect but the reality is that these are the same people who have elected those officials to power so they are your representatives and so who are those people then that who on one hand love the people to people interaction but on the other hand choose the same people who go and loathe each other on global stages this dichotomy is you know best left unsaid because there will be some set of people who will always agree to the ways and means that the government works and some people won't and this is on either side right 
I'm sure there are a lot of people in India who disagree with the way the government functions. There are a lot of people who agree that this is perhaps the right way to do it. One thing again is very common between the two countries that it is incredibly difficult to govern and run such complex democracies. If I can call Pakistan a democracy perhaps, but it is very difficult to run such complex countries. And so when I think about the future of Pakistan, the two things come to my mind, the Kashmir situation and the Chinese impact. I think of the Chinese impact. They are so debt-ridden now that they practically can't come out of the debt. And so in the process, they are trying to put up a brave face and say, look, we are friendly allies and we are now developing because of their infrastructure and inputs and help. But deep down, even the staunchest of Pakistani supporters for national cause I'm guessing they realize what China is doing to them. It's like they are now hook, line and sinker dependent on China, which I don't know if the regular Pakistani would like that or want that. It's very counterintuitive if you ask me. And I don't know if they have enough power or platform to ask these tough questions to their government and say, what are you doing? Why are you giving in? continuously and in fact they're so far in that there is i don't know if there is any economic smart way of bailing out unless someone else pays that money to bail them out of uh, out of debt and if that doesn't happen then there will be a time where china will demand more it's only logical and headed in that direction so why are they gambling away the country's future is something that I just don't know. Finally, the most complex issue, that of Kashmir. It is incredibly difficult. I feel for the people of Kashmir a lot. And I sometimes had this utopic thought process that what if Kashmir was always made to be a part of India as a state? Special uh, status should have gone 30, 40, 50 years ago. And today, JNK would have prospered as a state just like a Maharashtra or any of the other states in the country. And if the people of Kashmir had seen economic development, growth, opportunity, tourism, industry, if they had seen progress and growth, then it's unlikely that the typical youth would have taken to violence. You know, it's when this kind of unrest continues with no future to look forward to, it's when the devil really plays the trick on the minds. And it is now in such a bad situation that people are unhappy, they are suffering. And it really is sad that there is no resolution. It's very difficult to come to a resolution if you ask from a layman's point of view. So given the situation of Kashmir, what does a government do? If you revert the status quo, which is give it back the special status, then we revert back to the same old. If you continue, stay strong and develop the region, then it will take time. But the problems, the hurt and the angst doesn't go away. And so by the looks of it, neither is Pakistan going to back off because that's the only last thread of narrative that they are holding on to go against India and keep the country united. But if that narrative is taken away from there, then there is nothing that works. And Sometimes I wonder if that's some being paranoid. Maybe there are lots of Pakistanis who just want to have peace in their own country and stop worrying about fighting a war incessantly for years together without having any economic development for themselves. Is that frustration not enough? 
and if pakistan somewhere takes a step towards self development rather than focus on kashmir does it really think that india is going to be unfair to kashmiris i i doubt that you know it's very unlikely because even today if you look at all the 28 states there are difference of opinions between many states but they unite together to still work it out so with kashmir if there was no further indoctrination or any further inputs from pakistan if they are just let peace be without any violence or any other interference chances are that there might be peace in kashmir over a period of time it, it may not happen instantaneously overnight given but it will at least be a step forward let india help kashmir integrate by the soul you know what i mean yes by the map they are part of india but by soul they need to integrate with india and i'm sure there are an overwhelming majority of indians and we are seriously a lot of people right 1.37 billion people i'd imagine there at least 98% of indians who would give an overwhelming welcome to kashmir kashmiris into their lives into their businesses into their hearts saying that look please we can't heal all wounds but let's at least make sure that the future is bright and prosperous and somewhere there is healing process that had, has to begin and so people will welcome all kashmiris with open arms yes i know till that happens it's a dream but it's a dream worth chasing worth having for every single citizen of the country and i hope pakistan sees through this and makes peace there is an immense potential for inter region trade and commerce there is in immense possibilities of cultural exchanges think of think of all the fans who rejoice of listening to a coke studio pakistan live in lahore maybe or in karachi or they listening to ar rahman in chennai and you know these are the joys that also matter the movie industry at either end would benefit from the actors from the technicians from all sort of all the talent that is available on on either side of the border and jointly there could be some amazing productions that can happen this all translates to commerce it all translates to money at the end of the day and if there is good content why 1.37 billion add the balance pakistanis as well that's a huge market to cater to so economically speaking entertainment wise it makes for a big audience out there which is lying untapped which i just don't know why people don't see business sense in uniting these regions together finally <laughs> the last connect has to be on the cricketing ties as a ardent sports lover as a ardent cricketing fan i can tell you that a generation of cricketers have gone by without playing each other think of one of the all time rivalries admitted that the rivalry intensity the needling is no longer there in the past two decades or thereabouts but still it's a match which is fought well and watched by at least a billion people around the world and it surprises me that now and it's unfortunate that 20 years almost they haven't played regularly and at least in the last 5 7 years they haven't played anything but for a handful icc tournaments and so 
there is a generation that is just missed playing under high emotional drama as it were these things like i said are a loss to the regular people regular citizens regular folk who had always a special place for the sporting encounters and the sporting memories over time yet it's also a fact that sports and politics or entertainment and politics should not be mixed together the counterpoint being there are soldiers dying on the borders and that is a hard reality people are dying so it can't be that you have two houses next to each other and, and on the gate you are fighting with the neighbor and people are dying and on the backyard both of you are playing cricket or watching movies together it is as odd as it sounds and as absurd as it sounds that to haunt you in the face ask those people who have lost their near and dear ones ask those mothers who have lost their sons ask those wives who have lost their husbands or brothers who have lost their brothers and so on and so forth in course of battle when people die there is no other greater reality for them and so the dichotomy of the situation is that while this is happening while people are dying at the borders it's also a reality that the next time an india and a pakistan encounter happens on the cricket field there will be close to a billion people watching that match if you are to stick to one narrative then there should not be any matches at all snap off all ties everywhere let even yeah even if that costs you the world cup so be it take a one liner stand it can't be that you do this a little bit and that a little bit and yet follow this and yet do that there has to be homogeneity in the thought and action and somewhere one has got to believe that if there is a way forward question to ask is can the soft power eventually win over the hard stand that these two countries have against each other in the end friends i really want pakistan to do well for its own good and for the region's good you know there is always hope that no matter what the history of animosity between the countries it has a possibility of peace and harmony in the future if you look at european union as a template it wasn't until long ago when most of the european union or the countries of the european union were fighting against each other think of France versus England or Germany versus some of the other regions and so on and so forth look at how they are today i know admitted that brexit is a bit of a counterintuitive measure but that anomaly apart if so many warring countries culturally different linguistically different can come to unite together in fact think of the most diverse countries that of germany and say england if they can now unite together from a business standpoint you know there are bmws that run in uh, england and there are lots of english goods that get supplied to germany if they can economically unite and prosper their people i certainly think that we have hope between india and pakistan where we can unite and have open borders where there is no more fight for land or for region or for territory instead people to people interaction increases trade commerce increases peace in the valley happens and peace all around happens look cynics would think that this is way too optimistic and idealistic but what are the options you have what do you have 
would you rather go the other way around would you rather be have that the region degenerate into a complete mess where people die and the region becomes the source for say even a global conflict i'm guessing nobody wants that i'm guessing pakistan doesn't want that either so at some point we have to look at peace positivity and hope no matter how unreal it might seem as of today i wish well for the people of pakistan i hope they give peace a chance to heal the wounds of the past and let bygones be bygones and move forward into a positive direction and i'm sure there would be many many indians who would welcome this friendship with open arms and look forward to a much more peaceful future together well folks that's all the time i had for pakistan this week and i know this is not a easy topic to handle i hope you've enjoyed the conversation enjoyed the content and take it in the right spirit should you have any comment suggestions or any thoughts or ideas or questions do leave me a voice message in the link below or send a social media tweet email or a note on facebook or twitter on my handle yanban look forward to hearing from you Stay tuned for the next episode where I speak about Russia. Till then, stay well, stay safe and may happiness be all around you. This is your host GB and you are listening to the Gyanban experience. Peace out. <laughs>